The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Really wonderful to be with you this morning. It's wonderful to worship together. It's wonderful to be able to participate in seeing uh, someone make public their decision to follow Jesus. Um, and we're going to have communion today. It's a good day, right? It's just a good day to be here together as brothers and sisters. And uh, you know what it makes me feel? Makes me feel love, right? Don't you just feel love? That's a good transition because we're talking about love. We've been talking about love and the series is Love Is. And we said that love is important our first week together. And when you, when you look at Jesus, what does he say? There's two commands that matter more than anything else. Everything else hangs on these two commands, love God and love people. And then we talked about love as a choice and it doesn't matter how you feel. You might say, you know what, Grant? You don't know what I came in here with. You don't know where I'm coming from. And so I, I'm not feeling all of that love right now. It doesn't matter. Love is a choice. And so we started walking through 1 Corinthians 13, looking at this definition of love and looking at it more intently together. So we looked at love as patient. And that means that love puts up with a lot for a long time with restraint. Then we looked at kindness, love is kind. Love acts for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness or response. Love doesn't envy. Love does not want what others have with resentment. Love is happy for others. Before we get to what we're talking about today, did anybody see Kobe Bryant's final game? Kobe Bryant's final game, put up 60. That was nuts. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I, was, uh, I got to watch it and, and my wife, um, she was there with me. She was equally as excited. I think she was asleep. Uh, by halftime, but she looked excited. She looked, have you ever slept excited? She looked excited while she was asleep, but it was absolutely fantastic. But if you know anything about Kobe Bryant, then you know, number one, he's one of the greatest players of all time. And you know, number two, he's probably the most arrogant player of all time. And he's been criticized a lot for being braggadocious. And you know, there's something about that though, in the sports world, I don't mind it at all. In fact, I like it. I'm kind of drawn to those people in the sports world who are incredibly braggadocious. I mean, Cam Newton, this past year, Cam Newton, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, he scores a touchdown on my team, the Tennessee Titans, in Nashville, which by the way, it's not hard to do to score a touchdown on the Tennessee Titans. I think I did it when I was there on accident. I just walked in the end zone. But anyway, he scores a touchdown and he starts dancing in their faces. And uh, they get really angry and they get in his face. And you know what he does? He continues to dance. And it was awesome. And it was such a cool move. And they asked him later, they said, you know what? Uh, I, every time I score a touchdown, I dance. If they don't want me to dance, don't let me in the end zone. I love that. Like that is so, oh, that's so manly. I love that. And, and so, you know what? You might say, I hate that. I hate that these people are so whatever. Yeah, right. Who in here doesn't love all the quotes from Muhammad Ali? Everybody loves the quotes from Muhammad Ali. Like for example, he said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. And I know what that's like. I get it. I feel him on that. And, and he says, he says, if you dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. I love that. He said, I thought I was the greatest. I, was, I said I'm the greatest even before I knew it. Like, I love that type of confidence. And again, there's something about that in the sports world that I like. I don't know. I admire it. It's fun. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm okay with. But you take it outside of that context and it's, ugh, right? Like in your workplace, if someone acts like that. You know, you're in a project or whatever, and they said, you know, this deal would never would have happened without me. I'm the closer. That's what they call me. I'm the closer, right? Or maybe somebody in your home is just incredibly, uh, uh, they're bragging about everything that's going on. Or in a personal relationship, someone's just like, hey, you want to check out my check stub? See how much money I made this week, right? 
That's, it's gross. It's like annoying. Have you been around people who are one-uppers? You know one-uppers. Every time you tell a story, they've got a better one, you know? So, so for example, you say, I, I don't know, I went on a roller coaster ride one time, and there's something a little bit wrong with my harness, and I, I, I was a little scared. I kept kind of moving a little bit more than I wanted to, and they're, oh, yeah? One time I went on a little pony ride when I was a kid. It threw me two miles into the air, and uh, I was technically in space for three minutes or whatever it is. Like you've been around those people. They take your story and they make it about themselves, but they talk about how great they are. It's, it's like, it's gross. Would you describe that as loving? No. And we look here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, love does not boast. And what is boasting? Well, boasting is to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements. In other words, love doesn't brag. That's as simple as I can put it for you today. I'd write that in your blank right there on your little notes there. Love doesn't brag. Love doesn't look for opportunities to talk about itself. Love doesn't look to draw attention to itself. Love doesn't try to make its accomplishments known. Love doesn't brag. And the church in Corinth, this this letter that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, they had a bragging problem. There was a boasting problem there. They boasted in their allegiance to different apostles. You see that in the first few chapters there in 1 Corinthians. I follow this guy. He's the best. No, I follow this guy. He's the best. He's the smartest. They boasted of their tolerance for immorality within the church. You see that in chapter five. And so, you know, maybe they're thinking, look how tolerant we are. Look how outdated your convictions are. They boasted in that. They bragged of their riches. They used the Lord's Supper as an opportunity um, to show how great their riches were, to show how affluent they were. They boasted in their gifts. They bragged about their spiritual gifts. There was a boasting problem here. And we have a lot of different things that tempt us to boast. And I want us to look at a passage to get today together. If you have a Bible, turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 24. I think we're going to see some familiar ways that we boast here, or we're tempted to boast. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 24. Here we go. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What are the three things men boast in or tempted to boast in according to the scripture? We see wisdom, might, and riches. And simultaneously, as the scripture lists these, we get to see the foolishness of boasting in oneself. And that's what I want to look at today immediately as we get started here, looking at the foolishness of boasting in oneself. It says, let not the wise man boast in wisdom. What does that word wisdom mean? Well, it means wisdom. It also means intelligence or cleverness or something like that. And some people are incredibly intelligent. There's no way around it. There's, that's just the way you are. You were born that way. You, you've got a, a, a crazy brain. I don't know. You're incredibly intelligent. Some of you are incredibly wise. You've been there. You've done that. You know, you got the t-shirt. You got wisdom. Some of you out there, you're incredibly clever. There's just something about you. Your brain works a little bit quicker than everybody else's. You're just clever. However, um, Albert Einstein said this, only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. I'm not sure about the former. It doesn't matter how intelligent or clever or, or, or just incredibly smart that you think that you are. There's a limit to our wisdom. There's a limit to our intelligence. And so it makes it foolish for us to boast in that. My kids ask questions constantly. My oldest is five and we were on our way to school the other day. And, and, and I thought that I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty clever. At least I'm more clever than a five-year-old. And so whatever question he throws at me, no problem. I'll answer it. No big deal. Daddy's got it. So we're on the way to school and he says, Daddy, um, where was I before I was here? 
And I said, you mean before you were on the earth? And he said, yes. And I said, you, you weren't. And he said, what, what? And I said, you just, yeah, you just weren't. But here's the thing. The Bible says that God formed you and made you just like he wanted inside your mommy's tummy. Isn't that awesome? Like he made you like, so the color hair you've got, the color eyes you've got, the personality, that little gap between your bottom teeth, all of that, he made you just like he wanted to. You're special. He made you special. And I'm thinking, good job, dad. That was pretty good. All right. That's a good answer. You need to tweet that later. And he says, okay, okay. But how did I get in mommy's tummy? And then I was like, did you hear, is, did you hear the song on the radio? Isn't this a great song? Let's just play the quiet game, all right? $100 for the quietest person, all right? Let's just stop talking. My cleverness didn't work out. And you know, scientists are constantly stumped. I watched this video online this week I thought was hilarious. Um, in Guinea, the, in the forest of Liberia, there's a tree that's really special and they don't know why. And so if you watch this video, what's happening are these monkeys will find this tree, and it doesn't matter if the monkeys are from there or not. They could drop a random monkey into the forest of Liberia. It will find this tree, and, and here's, every video I saw, it was this. So here's the tree. A monkey would pick up a rock, walk up to this tree, look around, chunk it as hard as it could at the tree, and then it'd run away, right? And they'd just run off, and they keep studying this thing, and I just watched video after video of these monkeys pelt this tree with a rock, and it was the best thing I've ever seen, all right? Like, I don't know whatever reality show you watch, The Bachelor, whatever. They need to make a show of an hour of monkeys throwing stuff at trees. It, it is fantastic, but scientists have no idea why they do it. They have no idea, and they're studying this, and they're trying to figure it out, and they have no idea. Like, our cleverness, it doesn't matter how smart we are, intelligence, there is a limit to it. And it also fails. It also fails. You know, I think about, think about medicine and how far medicine has come and how medicine has failed in the past. I was doing some research um, and uh, I found something called a soothing syrup. Anybody know what a soothing syrup is? It was right about um, the turn of the last century, all right, right about 1900, all right? So I think, Dad, you were babysitting by then. You might have heard of this. And so in it, there's this thing called a soothing syrup. Well, he looks good, right, for a lot. But anyway... They had this soothing syrup, and so there was this article in the New York Times in 1910 about these soothing syrups, and if your kids were acting up, you would give them this syrup, and they would calm down. Do you want to know why they calmed down? Because here's what was in it. Morphine sulfate, chloroform, morphine hydrochloride, codeine, heroin, powdered opium, and cannabis. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they calmed down, but the next time they were fussy, probably wasn't because of a tooth. They're probably having withdrawals, all right? Like, Daddy, you got to eat more of that soothing syrup, right? Please hit me. So to brag in your intelligence, it's foolish. Why is it foolish? Because it fails. It's limited. And all of our wisdom, it's limited and it fails. It's a foolish boast. And then it says, let not mighty men boast in his might. Might literally, it means strength. So you may brag about your literal strength. You might think about your health and the way your body is and, and that might be something you take a lot of pride in. Isaiah 40, 30 says, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. You know, my kids, there's something about when a little kid wakes up versus an adult wakes up, how long did it take you to get out of bed? For when you regain some sort of consciousness to getting up out of bed, how long did that take you? I'm going to say it took me a good 10 minutes, all right, where I'm sitting there going, could, if I call Brother John, do you, could he preach, right? Like, could I text him some notes here? Uh, could we just cancel? Could we cancel? There's other churches in Barlett. So I finally get out of bed. My kids, uh-uh. 
Have you ever woken up like a five-year-old? It is asleep and then let's go. It's like they had a running start with it. But when they're tired, what happens? They can't function at all. It's just like their body starts betraying them and they just start like, they become gumby and they fall over, right? It doesn't matter how strong we are. It doesn't matter how much youth you have. Everyone has their physical limits. You'll have health problems. Or the scriptures say everyone goes, goes the way of all the earth. Everyone does. It's a foolish boast to boast in our might. You may brag about maybe might, not your physical might, maybe power or control. Your job's given you power. And so you brag about your position or you draw attention to that in conversation or you're the most organized person in the world, right? And so you have control and you celebrate that and you brag about that. But Proverbs 27.1 says, don't boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. We've all had our power and our plans reduced to nothing, haven't we? By, whether it's by somebody because people are completely unpredictable or some my force of nature or whatever. I did a wedding yesterday and it was an outdoor wedding in April, which is the most gutsy thing ever. Like I was saying, are you gonna play the lottery later? What are you doing planning a, 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 an outdoor wedding in April? It didn't rain, it was beautiful, it was 70 degrees. It was just, it was absolutely incredible. I told them, you can pay me extra. I started praying for this weather as soon as you asked me to be a part of this wedding, um, but they didn't buy that. But anyway, it was a beautiful wedding, it was fantastic. And we started talking about weddings that weren't so beautiful that I've done outside. Like for example, my sister got married in the month of June here. So that was, it was hotter than the devil's armpit. It was like 97 degrees. The sun wanted to see the wedding. So the sun is just beating down on us and we're just all sweating. And she got up there and I was like, Amanda, before your face melts off, do you, can we, all right, you're married, right? Like I signed the paper, we move on. We went to a wedding one time in, in Pennsylvania. They had planned this really, really well. This beautiful wedding they had set up um, in this like courtyard, kind of like a town, town square. They have those in Pennsylvania. So it was in a town square and uh, we pull up for this wedding and, and the decorations were gonna be beautiful and the flowers and the dresses were gonna be great. It's just gonna be a wonderful, wonderful thing. It was 20 degrees and snowing. It was awful. It was absolutely the worst. Like we literally got out of the car long enough to go, yeah, our kids are gonna die. We need to go inside, all right? This is a bad idea. It completely, like they just had no control. So to boast in our power, to boast in our control and all of that, it's, it's foolish. Or maybe, maybe none of those things you see as your might, but maybe you see it as this. Maybe you boast in the might of your morality. Sometimes I absolutely boast in the might of my morality. And you see something and you say, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I would never do that. How foolish of a boast is that? Colossians 2.13 says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. What are you without Jesus? dead, completely dead, like that's it. So how in the world can we boast in that? Oh, look at my morality, look how good I am, look at all of this or whatever. The Lord did that. Ephesians says that for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. We can't brag about it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, if you back up in 1 Corinthians and look at chapter one, it says, you know what we can boast about? Do you know what in, in ourselves we can boast about? We can boast about weakness and we can boast about foolishness because that's what we bring to the table. Weakness and foolishness. If you wanna boast, then you boast in the cross of Jesus, right? That's what it says in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 1, that we get to boast in weakness and foolishness. All of our might, morality, strength, control, power, it's limited and it fails. It's foolish. It's a foolish boast. 
And then it says, let not the rich men boast in his riches. So riches are resources. That could be your career, money, your influence. But everything we just named has the exact same fatal flaw of everything else we talked about. It's limited and it fails. All careers, they end. At some point, they end. Whether you retire or you die, they all end at some point. And money is incredibly fleeting. You know what it's like. You get paid, and that day, what do you do? You go out to eat. And then two weeks later, what are you doing? Eating mustard sandwiches. That's what you're doing, right? Tomorrow, baby. We're going back to Wendy's tomorrow. I promise you, right? Or you think about influence. Influence can change. You can lose that. Like, that's not even a resource you can hold on to. I thought about in college, um, where we went to school, a, uh, a friend of mine, he had an uncle on the police force in the, in the college town we were in. And so a friend of mine got a ticket. And he had always said, you bring it to me, I'll give it to my uncle, no problem. So he got a ticket. And he gives it to him, and he says, I'm going to go talk to my uncle, no problem. So he takes the ticket, and he goes and does that. And then he comes back, and he says, I have bad news. My uncle isn't having a good day, and so neither are you now. Here's your ticket back, right? Just pay it. Your influence can go. Like, we don't have control over that. It's a foolish boast, truly. It's a foolish boast. Boasting in ourselves is foolish. But look in this passage in Jeremiah, because what we're going to see is that there's wisdom in boasting in the Lord. Look at verse 24. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Boast that you know me. Why is that a wise boast, to boast that you know the Lord? Because he tells us right there, because the Lord practices steadfast love. You can brag, you can boast, you can, you can put your name on the fact that the Lord loves you because you know what? That is never gonna fail. That's not limited and it will never fail. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. No circumstance or limitation exists to the love of God for you, nothing. There's no circumstance, no limitation that you can put on him. Nothing. As sure as the sun is in the sky, the Lord loves you. Nothing can change that. That's a solid boast. That's a solid brag right there. I'm not going to be made a fool to boast in the Lord's love. The Lord practices justice. Another thing we can boast in. Deuteronomy 32.4, he's the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong upright and just is he there is no limitation on his justice it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how people may pervert it it doesn't matter uh, how powerless you may feel the lord is just and he will bring about justice you will not be made a fool to trust and to boast in the justice of the lord and the lord practices righteousness in the earth psalm 145:17 the lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works he always does the right thing. All of his works are right. Not mostly right, not some are right. There are no limitations. There is, there is no caveat there. The Lord is always right. You can trust him. When you do what he says, when you obey him, you can boast in his way of doing things because it's always right. You'll never be made a fool to trust and boast in his way. And the verse ends by telling us that this type of boasting This type of boasting, it isn't gross, it isn't rejected, the Lord loves it, for in these things I delight. Then he implies what? That he's happy with that, but he's not happy with other types of boasting. I want to look at the consequence of boasting real quick. Look at Luke chapter 18. If you have a Bible, you can flip over there. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. I'll go ahead and read this. 
two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. He's boasting about his morality. He's boasting about good things. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exhausts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If you humble yourself, he will exalt you and you will be lifted up. However, if you're a follower of Jesus and you boast, what will the Lord's response be? He will humble you. What does that look like? Well, answer this question for me. What are some of the moments that have humbled you the most in your life? And you know what they are. As soon as I say that, you... You know, you, you know it. You're right back there with it. Moments of embarrassment. Is it moments of pain, moments of loss? So what does it look like when the Lord has to humble you? It looks like those moments. He'll do whatever he has to because he's a good father. He'll do whatever he has to to make you humble so that your pride doesn't lead you to even worse hurts, to even worse pain away from him. You know, there was one morning recently, Angela let me um, sleep in a little bit. So she took all the kids out into the living room, and I'm asleep, and I'm, I wake up to one of my children um, yelling, and, uh, which is like common. That's a common thing. That is, uh, that is the average volume of the voices in our house. However, what caught me, what was different about this yelling um, was that this yelling was directed at my wife. And so I heard it, and I went, nope, I didn't hear that. Let's just go back to sleep, right? And then I realized, nope, and, he, and so she tries to correct him, and he yells again at his mother. Now listen, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get up, all right? It was the same thing. Like, can I lay, if I lay here long enough, um, like, will they just find, will there another daddy show up? Like, you know what I mean? Can I just, will they forget I'm here? Like, what in the, can I FaceTime her? You know, like, hey, stop it. Like, what can I do? But I had to get up. And you know what? When I first got up, you know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to go discipline him. I certainly didn't. I didn't feel like it. it you parents, you know, I didn't want to do it. I didn't have the energy. I didn't want to wake up and start my day with a spanking. Like, that's not like a, oh, this will be fun. Good morning, everybody. Wow. Like, I don't want to do that. That's not fun. I don't want to do that. But you know what? I love my boy. I love him. And so if I have to punish him and if I have to cause him some sort of hurt so that ultimately he's not hurt worse in the long run because he doesn't learn how to respect authority. And, and ultimately, and he has all kinds of other problems because his relationship with his mother is terrible because he's never learned to respect her properly. And he has all kinds of other problems because he can't respect his teachers because he never learned respect. Then I'm not loving him if I don't do those things. I'm not loving him if I don't correct him. And so I'll do whatever I have to to humble him. I'll cause him whatever hurt I have to to humble him. Not because I want to, but because I love him. And the same thing with our father. We boast and we brag, he's a good dad. He's not gonna let us walk around and puff up our chest because he knows that's gonna lead us to worse hurts. He'll let us hurt and he'll cause us discomfort and he'll take things from us and he'll do what he has to to humble us because he loves us. And if you go, that's a scary thought. It should be. It should be. And may that fear cause you to love him more. May that fear cause you to obey him even more. I don't want to be punished by my father. I don't want to be punished by my heavenly father. Not for one second I don't. But he's a good father and he will to humble us. So as we think about, as we think about this as we kind of close up here, 
What's so hateful about boasting? Like we keep talking about it. It's not good. Love doesn't boast. What's so hateful about it? Well, it tempts others to sin. It tempts people to envy. My, my boys have this new thing. Every time they get a new toy, you know what they do? First thing they do. Not show me, not show anybody else. Put it in the face of their brother. That's the first thing they do. And Jude has a really nice little move he's added where he shakes his head and he says, Nana and a boo-boo. And so he sticks it in Max's face. Look what I got, look what I got. Last night he got a surprise and I said, what are you gonna do? I said, you gonna show it to Dee Dee when we get there? Whatever he goes, no, I'm gonna put it in Max's face and tell him he didn't get anything. And I was like, that's a, that's a good plan. When he punches you, I'm, that's, that's on you, all right? I'm, I'm staying out of it. And so when we talk excessively about our success and we put all of this on ourselves, we're tempting our brothers and sisters to focus more on our gift and less on the giver. We're tempting them to focus and to envy on things that don't matter, which ultimately points them away from the source of joy, the Lord, and points them to these silly things. When we boast about our job, our vacation, our opportunities, or whatever, we make them envy those. But when we boast about the Lord, what do we do? We make them envy that. I want to know the Lord like that. I want to know the Lord better. So that's why we tempt others to sin and bragging lies to others. You're taking credit for gifts that aren't yours. You're taking credit for things that God has done through you. When you brag about a success because of your hard work, you leave out a a key part, God's grace that allowed you to work hard and God's grace that blessed your hard work. It's a lie. It's a lie. To boast in yourself is a lie. And bragging is so inconsiderate. It, It takes credit away from others where it might belong on other people. It puts focus unfairly on yourself. So love doesn't brag. Love doesn't point at itself for others to see. Love isn't quick to take credit. And what's the remedy for boasting? Let me give you these three and then we're gonna take communion together. The remedy for boasting, one, make a decision to stop talking about yourself but instead brag about Jesus. You have success, great. Then tell everybody how kind the Lord is in your success. Put the credit where it belongs. You can talk about success. You can talk about gifting, opportunity, or even advantages. But when you do, put the credit where it belongs on Jesus. Brag about him, brag about others. Brag about others. Romans 12:10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Look for opportunities to brag on other people. How often do you compliment other people? How often do you encourage and praise other people? And you might say, that's just not me. That's not my personality. I know I'm the same way, right? I'm the same way. I am not quick to just throw out a compliment. I'll pat you on the back. I'll give you the nod. Mm. I am not quick to say, you did great. Like that's not my thing. All right. But it doesn't matter. Like how loving is that to choose to compliment somebody, to choose to praise somebody, to choose the attaboy there. Do it this week. I challenge you to do that this week in your workplace, in your home. Give them an attaboy. Give them an encouragement. Compliment someone. Look to praise somebody this week. Proverbs 27.2 says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Look for ways to talk more about others and less about yourself. Maybe you've heard some variation of of that advice. You know, when you're in a conversation with people, what do you do? Ask questions about themselves because they want to talk about themselves. Like that's what people want. And when I think about people I highly respect and love, I think that I see that in them. That when they talk to other people, they don't talk about themselves. They talk about the person they're talking to. They're interested in them. How loving is that? How much does that communicate love and value? And the last remedy, one of the reasons we boast is to impress others. And it's natural. We were, I was with some friends recently. We were at uh, Overton Square. We just ate at Memphis Pizza Cafe. And outside there are um, cornhole sets. And we were out there by ourselves. Nobody's there. And so we're playing cornhole. And then a van of people show up. And they're like, they're having a party or something. They jump out and they're just hanging out in the square. Well, now we have an audience. And so like our joking and playing around, it like calmed down. 
and we got real serious all of a sudden, all right? Like, it was like, we're playing for gold. Like, why? Because I wanted to impress these complete strangers that I would never see again in my life, right? Like, we were like, after that, every shot mattered. We're yelling at each other, what are you doing out there, right? It mattered all of a sudden. That's natural to want to impress others. But to get over that, the remedy for that is let God impress you. Let God impress you. The more you spend time with him, the more impressed you'll be with him and the less you'll be impressed with yourself. He'll show you how small you are and show you how great he is. There's a man that I get to pray with sometimes and he's walked with the Lord a lot longer than I have and I've never heard him brag. He's not a braggadocious person. And one time he was praying and we got done praying and, and, and I was just, I just sat there kind of my jaw open and I said, did you pray like that when you were my age? I feel like you're talking to somebody I don't even know. He said, no, I didn't talk to him like that because I didn't know him like I know him now. He says, you'll know him like that. In 30 years, you'll know him better and you'll know him like that. God has impressed him for 30 years longer than he's impressed me. You know what it's done? It shrunk him and made God all the more bigger in his life. You want to stop worrying so much about impressing others? Let God impress you. Spend time with him. Let him humble you. And love doesn't brag. Love doesn't talk about oneself. Love talks about Jesus, and love talks about other people. Let me pray for us. God, my prayer for us is simple this morning. This week, would you impress us? May we not be impressed by ourselves anymore. May we be slow to speak about ourselves, quick to speak about your goodness and your grace. May we be slow to speak about ourselves and quick to speak about the work you're doing through other people, quick to compliment, quick to praise. And God, I I can't think of anything more loving towards you. You are so worthy to be spoken of. Where we have an opportunity to lift ourselves up, how wonderful is that that you've given us this opportunity to deny that and to lift you up instead. You're so worthy to be pointed to. You're so worthy to have the attention and the focus and the praise. So God, help us love you by doing that and help us love others by doing that. So God, you know where we're tempted to brag. You know where we're tempted to boast. Um, God, my prayer this week is you'd give us a sensitivity that we haven't had before about that. That you would convict us of those moments, convict us of those weaknesses. And that God, we'd choose to make a change. We would choose to use those moments to brag about you. We'd choose to use those moments to brag about other people, to humble ourselves and to exalt you and to serve others. We love you. Thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.